bam, bam, bam. What's good, Hollywood? Welcome back to Getting Down with Chris Brown, episode number three. You. Now, where today I'll be telling you some top, some very, very top secret information, some great principles and strategies which from an early age have gotten me into some high like business positions um, and I've used them in nearly every job I've ever had. And what happened, it, it's basically led, led uh, my friends, my family, wondering why I've either like gotten promoted or received leading hand roles or management type roles super quickly. And oftentimes, it's like jumping the line of other people who have been at that particular workplace for much longer than me. Um, so, like, usually, my little sister Haley, she will say it happens because she thinks I'm just naturally great at a lot of things, like at a lot of skills. Like, I'll go do electrical work, and she thinks I'm just naturally good at that. And then I'll go go and get receive like a management type job, and she thinks I'm I'm good at all that. But that's definitely not true. The secret is that if you can master some of these particular skills and strategies, then the same thing will happen to you. You will be able to get along with all different types of people way better. You can negotiate and persuade anybody. You basically receive way more opportunities and you're able to put yourself into positions that the majority of people cannot. So have you ever noticed how some people can negotiate, persuade and influence others very effortlessly? Like it looks like they're not even trying. Whilst with other people, they cannot even get their child or their friend or their work companion to do like the simplest tasks without yelling and screaming from the top of their lungs. When I used to be working for one of the electrical companies, There was one of the team leaders, which is basically a leading hand, and he was in charge of a work of, uh, uh, basically a worker group, uh, sorry, a group of workers, and his name was Mr. Burns, like from The Simpsons, excellent. that, That wasn't his name, but that's what everyone used to call him, because he had the same hairline, which was bald on top, where his hat would sit, and then he had gray sticking out from the sides and the back. Exactly like Mr. Burns. He had the same physique, uh, which was basically like like a bag of bones, real skinny, and like he'd be hunched over, walking with like with like a limp, and he he had like the healthiest diet I've ever seen. It was literally the only thing he ate was sausage rolls, like sausage rolls, not like a sausage sandwich, but a sausage roll, like a pastry with that um, that that meat inside. It's a very processed meat. Uh, I don't know how healthy it is, uh, but that's the only thing he would eat. He would even buy like double the amount and that's what he would feed to his dog. And yeah, I started to uh, get a little bit worried about his dog since that was the only thing he ate. And like Mr. Burns, he didn't even have like tomato sauce or ketchup on his sausage roll. If he had that, then he would have like a speckle of fruit or vegetables, but no, just purely sausage rolls. Anyway, Mr. Burns, he was not one of those team leaders who became a team leader because of his operational leadership, negotiation, influencing 
and persuading skills. He was simply a team leader because he had been at the company for so long and he was specialized in a particular skill set which most people did not want to do. He was, he was basically like, he had been doing the specialized task, the like, like hands-on specialized task that not a lot of people can do and he'd been at the company for so long, that's why he was the leading hand, okay? So what happens whenever new apprentices would start at the company, that they all have to go and work on, on different crews for a, a specific amount of time to, to gain experience in all areas of the, of the business, all areas of the electrical industry, basically. So unfortunately, I rarely worked on his team. I, I, I did have to do a little stint, but it wasn't for too long. But because uh, I pretty much went to an area and kind of, I still went everywhere, but I, I stayed with kind of my crew for most of the time. And, but we would still have to work with Mr. Burns' crew regularly. And uh, it was quite, a, quite an experience working with him and seeing how, how business was done. So what happened, there was a recurring situation that always took place. Mr. Burns, excellent, would regularly go absolute ape shit at his apprentices, trying to make them do different tasks for him. There'd be a whole lot of like yelling, swearing, conflict, tools being thrown, nearly knuckle sandwiches being handed out to each other, guys walking off site and whinging, complaining, and people ending up in, in, in the operations manager office after work, you know, cr- creating drama and bullshit that goes on. Anyway, like I'm sure that every, everyone has seen that type of person who gets into a situation where their opinion is the opposite of another person's, whether it's their co-worker, their family member, their brother or sister, friends, family, or whoever it is, and they start yelling. Then they create conflict, and usually it's embarrassing to watch. It's embarrassing like for yourself, and you feel embarrassed for them, yet it's usually ent- entertaining. I-, I-, I can admit that. It's kind of like a train wreck. You know, you know it's bad, but you can't not look at it. It's yeah, similar to, I don't know if, any, if anyone knows, the very rich businessman, Dan Pena. He, he's quite old, but he seems to do, to do it quite often, where he's like yelling at people from the top of his lungs um, and absolutely going apeshit. And what he does, he states that there's only two ways to closing, like negotiating and closing deals. His number one is, in, in his words, strength negotiating, where he just keeps hitting at them until they either flake or if not, he just moves on to the next one. There's no, there's no like strategy to it. It's just like hitting a nail down. It either goes down or it bends and then he gets another one. And then, he, and then his number two way of closing a deal is, in his words, being a snowflake weenie. So he's basically, he's got one way of, of uh, closing deals. Strength negotiating, hitting the nail down until it gets in. Or if you don't do that, you're being a snowflake weenie. He even states that, like Dan Pena, he states that he's made a lot of audience members piss themselves when they attend his seminars. Like he, he's quite quite a funny character, but like I guess uh, you can do what you want when your nickname is the Trillion Dollar Man. And I, I yeah, I think he's one of the. 
not not the richest man in the world. He's definitely not that, but yeah, he's he's quite a rich man. Won uh, a lot of money through I think I think gas, and um, yeah, he, he's he's a funny dude to to look at if you want to look at some old school like sales and negotiation strategies and and, and business strategies. But anyway, back to the story. Now, for the majority of people who are not billionaires or trillionaires, it's a great idea to learn some principles which help you understand the people you work with, live with, or who you spend your time with. You are then able to understand their behavior better, and by learning these principles, you can become more likable and more like adaptable to different situations. You become better at communicating, sales, persuasion, negotiation, and influencing. You get placed into better leadership positions, better positions at work. And this is all without having to cause conflict or offending others. I don't think anybody ever wants to be that person who can't negotiate in a cool and calm manner. You know, obviously everyone wants to do it sometimes when it's in a funny environment. You gene someone up or, you know... Like me and my mates, we would, we would have dreamed to have someone like Mr. Burns or Dan Pena as our high school teacher. Because like just gene people like that up is just like, it's funny. It's, it's very entertaining. So uh, yeah, if Dan Pena, if he was our teacher at school, we probably would have made him piss himself. But yeah, being an operations type leader in any different type of business model requires dealing with a lot of different types of people. It's just life. And it's probably going to be that way until AI, artificial intelligence, becomes so high level that we can automate most of the tasks we require. But until that time comes, we need to deal with people directly. And then even when like artificial intelligence starts to take over, which it will, I don't know how long it's going to be, but uh, yeah, I don't think many people know that as of yet. But even when like robots come in and we can automate most of the skills, I think one of the most important skills that we, we would want to have is to be very, very skilled in communication, sales and negotiation skills, people skills, dealing with people and, you know, getting people, people to do things for you. So since I started my career, I've had to deal with so many different types of people and personalities, especially when working with larger corporations where I'd be dealing with a lot of different types of people all day, all day and every day. Everything in a single day ranging from, from work crews where it's, you know, the, the, the Aussie or the British, like, um, the, like man, you know, just Aussie blokes type types. Um, Everything from contractors to leading hands, middle managers, general managers, uh, human resources. Like, you know, you get old ladies, young ladies, young guys, old dudes, old, like 50 year olds who fucking, who are super old school, dealing with CEOs, even like having film crews, safety crews, doctors and nurses, and everything in between. So that, that's what a lot of times I'd have to deal with in like the same day. So you need to get used to deal, dealing with a lot of different people. And if you can get good at that, that's when you can get, get above the rest. So what I've found out that no matter who you deal with, usually the people fall under one of the seven categories. 
So I'll start with number one. Number one, the introvert. That's the shy person who would usually like to be alone rather than in the group settings. And these type of people, they can be great if used in the correct manner. Like a lot of them that I've had to deal with, they, are very, they can be very hard workers and they want to get shit done. They don't care about all the bullshit that goes on and they'll just work hard. But then other times there's, there's introverts who they, they just fly under the radar and they, just, and they don't produce too much productivity. Okay? So number two, the high achiever. They're the ones that are constantly striving for greatness in whatever they do. They don't need to be supervised much and they're constantly look, uh, looking for opportunities. <clears throat> they're like the ones that you want to have on your team and that they help a lot. They are, they're great at helping you with problem solving. <clears throat> if you're having meetings, they'll, they'll add a lot. And, and you know what it is like from the think and grow rich. If you have two people, that creates like three minds. And having someone like that, they're, they're great to work with. So number two, the high achiever. Okay, number three, the underachiever. <clears throat> These are usually people who started off as being a high achiever, then they slowly lost motivation, fell into a slump, and now they do the bare minimum as to not get fired. They just basically breeze through. Um, they love to have a yarn, socialize, sitting on their phones as much as possible. <clears throat> Usually these types have a lot of potential. They just need to be motivated and inspired, which, which is quite easy to do with a few basic strategies. But yeah, usually they're just, you know, trying, trying to do as minimum as possible. Okay, number four, the narcissist or the ego tripper. Everyone knows one of these. These are those who have excessive admiration in themselves. They're usually the opposite of a team player and will do anything to make themselves look good and take the credit. I think like you always see at least one of these. A lot of the, a lot of the time they are very hard working, but they don't stop talking about how good of a job they've done. They basically pat themselves on the back all day. They, they have no issues trying to get themselves ahead of the other team members so they can accomplish their own goals their own goals they are usually the one in the team that everyone talks shit about and and you know makes fun at but you know i think that's kind of fair usually because everyone gets sick of listening to them toot their own horn and and talk about themselves so that's the narcissist or the ego tripper okay number five the hype man also known as the energizer these are those who are fun to be around they're great in group situations they're funny entertaining usually like the life of the party they are the ones who offer extracurricular activities for others you know on the weekends um you know inviting the boys out for, for beers and nose beers that uh they've always got good comical stories to share but unfortunately, sometimes their enthusiasm gets everyone a bit more distracted from the job at hand. They usually need to be kept in line a bit more, like uh, you, you need to kind of watch them a bit more and, and try and keep them focused. Okay, number six, the care blanket, also known as the optimists. They're the ones that everybody, oh, I don't think they're too, too common, but they're the ones that everybody vents to when they have problems. 
They are always willing to listen to all the problems and tr- try to offer advice. And like usually the advice is like fluffed up bullshit to make the other person feel better. And like there's nothing wrong with being an optimist and, and sharing positivity. But uh, um, you know so- sometimes it can be a bullshit and, and, and they just, yeah it's just like a shoulder to cry on. These these optimists or, or the care blanket they're usually the people that they're great mentors for like new workers. So a new guy will start and then the optimist is like great for showing them what to do. Okay, number seven, the number cruncher, aka the analyst. These type usually do the, their best work by themselves. They're not too outgoing, they don't talk to everyone, they kind of stick to themselves a bit, but they know their numbers, they analyze everything. They, they produce quality work and they don't require too much recognition. They're usually best in positions where attention to detail is very important. I know that when I was starting off, sometimes I'd have like a leading hand, like one of my uh, one of my like team leader bosses. They have been like this type, like uh, an analyst, where they're not outgoing. They don't show you too many things, and they would just like do the work themselves. I think type people like that, they're not best as like leaders, but they're great when you put them as like. Uh, workers by themselves where they need to get you know get get work done which is very detail orientated and then they just kill it you know okay so what you will find when working with all the different types of people that you're not dealing with logical thinking creatures not logical thinking people you're dealing with humans which are filled with emotion that you need to in sales in, in anything you need to know the difference between logic and emotion and dealing with people you need to realize that uh, that in in my opinion emotion comes first when dealing with them so if you can scratch their emotional itch first and then back it up with logical reasoning then you'll get way further ahead you know because the people that they're filled with emotion and they're motivated by their own self-importance, their own pride. So if you hit them with that emotion first and then back it up with logical reasoning, I think it's way more important and gets you a lot further ahead. So another important thing which, which I've kind of realized a lot after working in a lot of different situations, if you criticize, like attack, or if you're complaining to people regularly or even at, at all, it can unconsciously leave permanent wounds or like negative effects on the person, even the people around you. And like I found this especially more important after working in uh, like in camps, basically like in fly and fly out situations where everything is like magnified. There's not a lot of different stuff going on, so any drama is like entertaining for everyone. So if if people would be whinging whinging, complaining and criticizing other people, that would leave effects on everyone else and then everyone else would like, you know, look at this person and be like, oh, you know, he's not too too great to, to be around and so on. And like you'll find that when you've gotten negative comments from people in your life, even at, at any stage, like if you can think back, you can probably remember uh, 
like when you're when you're younger and someone has like criticized you for something or complained to you or said something negative to you you can usually remember it so if you're going and, and criticizing and attacking and complaining about people every day that like leaves a massive effect so if that's something that you can get rid of and you're not criticizing attacking or complaining to people it makes a massive difference so yeah all, all it does is basically leave like negative effects it creates negative environments and nobody wants to be around negativity like everyone wants to be around positive people and positivity so that that doesn't mean never say any like ne never criticize anyone but it's important to very clearly know the difference between constructive criticism which helps you learn grow and achieve better results rather than deconstructive criticism which basically puts someone down it, it uh it leaves negative emotions and then it kind of puts them back a step when they they, they feel less less positive about it and then they get a, a little bit self-conscious so that that's like a very important thing to know the difference between constructive criticism and deconstructive criticism okay there's um there's a quote by by dale carnegie who wrote one of the best-selling books of all time, which was published in, I think, 1936, called How to Win Friends and Influence People. If you haven't read it, I think 100% go and like, give it a read because it's got some great stuff in there. And the, the quote which stuck with me is, uh, I, I think it's a very important uh, like factor which most people kind of disregard. And the quote is... You can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get people interested in you. I'll say that again. You can make friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get people interested in you. And in my opinion, that is very, very relevant in most parts of your life. Whether it's to make more friends and having people like you or just being genuine, uh, genuinely in, like, yeah, want to be around you, hang around you. If, if you're interested in other people, it makes a big difference, okay? So it's the same thing with work. When you've got your boss or you're, you're on a work crew and if you become genuinely interested in the work projects you're working on, that leads to way more involvement, like the your, your superior knowing that you're interested. You want to you want to make this work as good as possible. You want to get shit done, and that leads to yeah yourself getting more involvement, which leads to getting more experience, which leads to getting placed in higher positions at work. So and and basically more experience means you're gonna you become more successful. It's the same thing when, like, for dating or, or ever since you were younger and you liked someone. If you just sit there and hope that, and you hope for them to, to, to show interest in you, then you're probably going to be waiting a long time. Now, if you show genuine interest in the other person, then that plants little seeds in their head. And yeah, it, 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 you're probably going to get where you want to go a lot quicker. So I think that's a good one to keep in mind. Just like if you want to get somewhere, show a lot more interest. And most people just sit there, uh, walk through the, like just go, go through their, their, their daily occurrence as for normal, where if you show a little bit more interest in what you want to do and what you want to get accomplished, 
just like track how much difference it makes. Okay, uh, um, yeah, so I, I think it's, it's a good idea. Just, just give it a, a try. So uh, a very easy understanding which, which can make, or a, a, a very easy task which can make other people feel way more important, way more valued, and it leads to having a lot more personal level conversations. It's, this is a very, very simple task, but makes a big difference. All it is, is by calling someone by their name. Simple as shit, basically. But if you don't remember their name again and again, and you, you, know, you just call them, hey, sir, hey, mate, hey, whatever, then th- what happens? They feel unimportant to you. They, uh, yeah, th- 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 they basically don't feel as important. They don't feel valued. You're obviously not a, uh, any, any part of their life. Where if you start calling them by their name, you'll, you'll see a big difference. And, and they'll want to have normal, like, person-to-person conversations. Yeah, I reckon, give, give it a try. I could talk about these diff- like, a lot of these different strategies, because like, this is quite a deep topic. But the last one today that I want to share is a, a very important one. It's basically the first thing that you learn in sales. Don't argue with the prospects, okay? Or in this instance, what you'll learn from Uncle Carnegie, the only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid the argument. When you do get into an argument, and let's say you do win, then the other person, like, straight away feels inferior, you've heard their ego, uh, if they need to follow, like if you won and they lost, then they're not going to be triumphant in, in like your course of action. Now, let's say you, you lose the argument, then you've lost the argument. The same thing happens to you. Of course, every situation is in some way different, but by keeping a few things in mind, it's very easy to keep it neutral and very easy to come out with a, with a solution where all parties feel like they've won. And, and that's like one of the most important things in, in negotiating. Fit, like walking away with all parties feeling like they've won. So, so I'm going to give you a few points to, to, to help you with this. Number one, like if, when, you, when you are in, a, in someone, you know, someone wants to argue or, or you're negotiating over something, I don't want, yeah, it's not good to argue, but when negotiating, number one, listen, listen to the other person's side. Even if it is difficult, even if it is difficult, listen to them. Now I know for a lot of people it's harder. For you know, for some people it's way harder. Like I think everyone ha- has a friend who some people are talking, some people are having a conversation, and then the other person can't help but start butting in and talking over the other people, and then you're there looking at two different two different people talk, and you're just like, shut the fuck up, come on. So number one, learn to listen. Number two, do not become defensive or emotional. And that's yeah, better said, easier said than done for a lot of people. And because it, it's way easier for some people to get super emotional. If, if they're angry in any, in the slightest bit, they can become emotional. Fuck you, fuck this. So yeah, don't become defensive, don't become emotional. Use positive body language, nod your head when you're listening to them, agree, yes. Um, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, yes, and, 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 and move on. 
Okay, number three, don't build defense bridges. Be as understanding as possible. Listen to their side of the story. Number four, when it's your turn to speak, bring up the areas where you both agreed on. That shows, po- that, uh, you know, it shows positivity. You're, you're agreeing with them. Number five, be honest and admit areas where you are wrong. Uh, I think that's a big thing that, that I started off earlier where... I, sometimes I wouldn't admit where I'm wrong Where what I've learned Being transparent is it makes a big difference Because like the, the truth always comes out So if, if I'm wrong I try and admit it straight away Number six Give your thoughts on where things could be done In a more effective manner And, and this is you know not, set, not telling them what's wrong Give your thoughts where you think it could be done In a, more, in a better way Okay, number seven, show respect to the other person's opinion. Instead of giving direct orders, telling them, nah, this is better than that, ask questions so they can understand your point of view. So it's basically not being so direct and telling them this over that. It's kind of like, like yeah, coming around with a little, a little curveball, asking them questions so they understand it better. Okay. Number eight, agree on how to implement the best solution, which benefits everyone. So, you know, because in, in all negotiations, you want to show, you want to end with the best result. So you win, the other persons win, and all parties win. So agree on how to implement the best solution, which benefits everyone. And then number nine, agree on a way to determine if the solution is working or not working, and then adapt. So but make everything transparent, work out what needs to be done, what needs to be changed, move on. If you're wrong, who cares? <clears throat> so there's some quick skills and strategies that I'm sure they sound extremely easy, but I can guarantee 100% it will be hard for a lot of you. A lot of people would be like, mm, yeah, I can do those, no problem. But then you'll be at work or, you know, wherever you are, you'll get the slightest inconvenience. You'll, you'll get a little bit angry. You start to become emotional and boom, game over. And then all those, uh, all those principles and strategies are thrown out the window. So, th- yeah, th- th- they're just a few quick, easy, easy ones that you can implement straight away. If you keep them in the back of your head, in negotiations, you'll come out a lot better even with the communication and all of that, if, if you use those, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll help you immensely. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as always, remember, let the good times roll.